Hey, welcome to the Jewish Road Podcast. My name is Matt Davis, and would you look at who I am here with right now? Yep, you're here with your senior citizen. I'm right here with you. Yeah, there you go. Good. Uh, Hey, we have a special guest on the program today, and what's interesting, and what's been interesting really about all of what's been happening over the last couple of months, is we've had a lot of things come out of the woodwork, and really... A lot of the stuff that's been coming out of the woodwork has not been pretty. It's not been good. Yeah, no, not ever since uh, October 7th. It's been pretty horrendous. And so we have seen anti-Semitism. We've seen hatred. We've seen war. We've seen brutality. But not just that. Uh, even in the midst of all of this, we've seen some good things that have come up. That's right. Uh, we've seen some rays of light. We've seen courage. We've seen and heard stories of heroism, and we've seen kindness, and we've seen generosity. We've seen people come out from nowhere, really, all of a sudden, taking a stand for Israel. It's interesting who's taken a stand for Israel and who hasn't taken a stand for Israel. And I think some people are finding their courage, and some people are saying, this is too much, and I need to take a step back. And that is not the story with the person that we are about to talk to Uh, And it's not just you and me here. We have somebody here, and her name is Jane Carter. Jane, hello, and thanks for joining us. Hi. Thanks for having me. Now, Jane, we we met originally because you sent us an email, and uh, up to this point, we haven't met. But now we are meeting face-to-face, at least even over uh, the computer here. Uh, So can you tell us a little bit about what it was that you wrote to us in this email. I wanted to convey to you two and your families because um, of the atrocities from October 7th on that there were people who were standing with you. There were people who um, did not support all the anti-Semitism that was rising up. And even more specifically, I wanted to um, take a stand and just apologize for the part my family has played in the Holocaust so that you knew um, that that family line lineage of um, the anti-Semitism is not continuing through through me. And I wanted to just uh, make it right by at least owning what my family did when it has been very much a family secret, bring it out and just convey that I know that even though it wasn't my family specifically that has hurt your family, uh, it is people like my family. And so I just wanted to make sure that you knew I'm standing in the gap. I knew the knew of some the harm that my family had done, and I wanted to make it right by apologizing to you two specifically. Well, we want to get into a little bit of your family story, and I think that this is important. But I also just want to say thank you for sending that because there have been some people who have been really good to us, just like you. I remember even just going to Costco a couple months back, and somebody called me, it was an old friend, and just said, hey, are you okay? How are you doing? Mm. And I feel like this is a lot. And so every once in a while, just because it feels like it's been a bit of a marathon since everything started over the last couple of months, there's just been, the Lord has sent these breaths of fresh air that have restored us. And you've talked about your family and lineage and story. And so I'd like you to unpack a little bit of that. What is that? What does that mean? Tell us a bit about the backstory of your family. Uh, So... Uh, growing up, I had heard that we were German, and when I was about 10, we had German relatives come to visit us. Did not really know, like, what does this mean if we're German? I, I didn't grow up with the Christian faith at all, um, so had no idea 
um, any of the history, even at that point, I was 10, uh, about, uh, 18, there was a cousin that came that had lived with my relatives, uh, in Austria, Hungary at the time, and then Yugoslavia. And she had talked about being in a concentration camp. And I said, are we Jewish? She said, no, uh, we're not Jewish, but she wouldn't give me any more information. And she, she told of horrific things that happened in this camp. Um, and, and that she was one of the lone survivors. So I was like, what is that all about? As I did more genealogy research based on my grandmother's work, I found out that uh, there were four Weber brothers that were of German descent that had lived in uh, Serbia. And in that little town, um, they some of them decided to stay. Two of the brothers decided to come to America. The other two that stayed, Joseph and Georg, um, uh, we're very much proud of the German heritage, and that actually played out by helping the SS when they came through uh, in 1941. Hey, Jane, has this been just a part of family knowledge for a long time, uh, and it just didn't get passed down? Uh, or were, were there opportunities for this to come up, and then they just never did? Uh, no one wanted to talk about it, I think. I mean, they, we knew there would be things like, oh, uh, Cousin Matia still has his SS uniform. Like, that was a proud thing. And I was like, why, why would that be a good thing? Uh, but nobody would talk about it. So the only way I knew about it was that it was in my grandmother's genealogy notes, uh, tucked away, and she would bookmark things. Um, then I started putting the pieces together about why some families here, why didn't they stay in Yugoslavia, why did they go back to Germany, why are there so few people, what's this concentration? So it was me sleuthing through, asking certain relatives for information, and putting the pieces together. Wow. What What's your first reaction and first response um, when you start to pull more of this story together? It was pretty sickening, actually. Um, I already, not knowing my family's involvement in the Holocaust, I was really disturbed just by learning about uh, the Holocaust. I did go in 1988 to uh, Dachau and was able to see it firsthand. Um, so I studied it in different ways, but always removed because I didn't think my own family was part of that. And when I realized that my family had joined with SS and were very much in authority uh, mayors and towns, looting st family stores, stealing belongings, rounding up the Jews in Serbia. Uh, it was pretty devastating to realize uh, that's not anything to be proud of. It's something to be very shameful of. And then to realize how godless my whole family is. It's like, well, no wonder we're in this place that we are right now. Um, uh, because I was going to ask you, I was going to ask you, Jane, when, when you went to Dachau and when you started seeing these things and realizing these things, um, were you a believer at that time? Where was God in your life during that time? Right. I, I grew up in a pagan household, very hedonistic, a lot of uh, people who would say they're Christians and actually in very non-Christian type churchy environments. Um, so I got saved when I was 12 in a total Acts type story where my whole family got baptized together. Uh, so I was a believer at that time when I went uh, about age 20 and saw this up front. And it, it, it was devastating um, to realize, one, that humans could be so evil and so really demonic towards a certain people. Um, but then beyond that, to start making the connections as I went through genealogy files to realize this is my family. My family did this too. And you had a turning point 
in your life, you ended up taking a trip to Israel. Um, what happened on that trip? Yeah, it was fascinating. I, um, through uh, some wonderful circumstances, God allowed me to go with a group called Hayavel, which means the Jubilee, and they're a Christian group who do agriculture work in Judea and the Shomeron, which most people know is the West Bank. So I was able to go for three weeks and just participate in getting to know the Jews that are there and the land and fall in love with just picking grapes in the land, like it, picking out pottery from the, the soil. It was just wonderful. While I was there, there was a woman, a Christian, who was from a Lutheran background. And as we were uh, greeting some Jews that were visiting Harbor Kha, where we were saying, they, uh, this woman had apologized to another Israeli woman for being part of an anti-Semitic church um, and uh, adhering to Lu- some of Lutheran's um, beliefs and just wanted to stand in the gap and say, I'm sorry, that was wrong. And um, I just wanted to personally apologize to this woman. And I thought, hey, I can do that. Um, so I said, Lord, where, what do you have for me? Uh, do you have somebody here you want me to talk to? So I met an Israeli woman who was probably in her 60s, and she uh, was some kind of scientist. And she wouldn't tell me what. Uh, pretty smart lady. And I was able to share that my family, sadly, had partaken in the Holocaust and had been part of decimating the population in Serbia and how sorry I was and how, because it has, so my families like mine affected families like her and decimated them. And it actually looked like someone had just punched her in the gut and she put her hand on her stomach and over her mouth and her eyes were watering and she, I could see she could barely breathe. And I just said again, I'm so sorry and then it hit me that probably nobody's apologized to her. And I said, has no one ever said they're sorry for this? And she just shook her head and cried. And I was like, this is awful. She's lived with this for over you know, all of her life, living in a home of people who came out of the Holocaust. And no one has ever stood in the gap to say what happened was atrocious. What happened was sinfully wrong and wicked. And I am so sorry for my family's part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that is really great, you know, what you're doing with people. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm wondering, have you ever had a negative response to that? Oh, you know, um, <clears throat> there was a woman I also apologized to at Yad Vashem. And I think um, she was a little put off by me. And um I had wanted it to be a more intimate moment. I think she had a, bit, a lot of fans around her, so maybe it wasn't the right timing. Uh, mm. I, I think I have said it to a couple of uh, Christians that come from Jewish backgrounds, and I think they're a little bit like not wanting, not sure they want to own that part or not sure what to do with that part. I can see in both of them, like I do with other people, a sense that if, if you're Jewish, have a Jewish name, look Jewish, you have to you know, look over your shoulder a bit. You have to overcompensate by being better. You have to watch out who you're really trusting. And I, you know, so I I fear for that. And I just wanted to stand in the gap and say, I'm not one of those. I'm standing with you. I'm, I'm all for you. And if I need to be there for you in some way, let me know. I I imagine that there's a spectrum of, of being pro-Israel, love the Jewish people. It could be anything from, um, you know, sending a, a donation or, uh, you know, putting a, a Bible verse, changing your profile on social media and saying, I stand with Israel all the way to like, 
I, I know people that have bought the Israeli flag and they've put it up on their house, like on the front of their house. Um, there's people, uh, we, we were actually just uh, in Knoxville, Tennessee, and had a friend that said, um, we, we were going through Hanukkah and uh, we decided as a family, we wanted to do Hanukkah. Right. And it was actually a, a step of faith for us to take our menorah hmm. and put it in the front window. Uh, and even this year, and we've always done this, we've always had our menorah sitting right there on, and we had a corner house and all of that. But um, this year, when when I my wife, I came home and the, the house was decorated, just magically decorated Hanukkah. Um, but I saw our menorah was sitting there in the front window and our house is, you know, the house you see as you're driving up the street. And I'm like, this is, this feels different this year. Um, but what does that expression look like um, for you? Because it's easy for us to say, well, yes, you should love the Jewish people because that benefits us, but it doesn't, it doesn't benefit you in that. But, but as I say that, it does. I think the Lord looks at that. And But what? how is that expression um, come out? Yeah. What does that look like for you? Yeah, I'm definitely being in the Northwest, um, there's anti-Semitism. There's, so I, we're the first house in our cul-de-sac. Everybody sees our house going by in this busy street. And I'm like, we're, yeah, we're putting a flag out. Yes, we're putting, yes, we're doing all of that. And, uh, and I thought, well, they could come and vandalize our house. And I was like, and I'll be the first to tell the police exactly what for Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to use that as a media opportunity if it happens. Like, because I wanted, if nothing else, just to say, I stand with the Jewish people. I also wanted anybody that's on my street that has Jewish roots to know I'm standing with you. Like you are mm -hmm. not alone. You are, you are mm -hmm. not going to have to face this alone. So um, yeah, at work, I've, I have worn blue every day since October 7th. I did not know I had that much blue in my wardrobe. Um, but just to make, it's a silent protest, just to say, uh, let's not forget about Israel. So. Yeah, you know, every, everything that you're doing reminds me, takes me back to World War II and to when all of the concentration camps and, again, to that one pastor, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and what he had said at one time, he said, to not speak is to speak, and to not act is to act. And you're standing right there in that gap. Yeah. Right. And it, it it's, comes up in conversations, obviously, at work. Um, we, we did have a professor give a history of the Palestinian-Israeli uh, uh, history of the last 150 years, and so I asked some uh, provoking questions on purpose uh, <laughs> to let people know, like, it's kind of hard to make peace with somebody who wants to kill you. Uh, and there was peace before October 7th. So, there, you know, so I'm just trying to ask people some provoking questions. Um, my Facebook posts get blocked all the time. Uh, so those who will listen, I, I try to talk. Um, we just felt like we had to leave a church because we didn't feel like they were pro-Israel. So, yeah, it's because it's I, this is my generation and my opportunity to take a stand. So um, the, it may not be the Holocaust. You know, everybody thinks about what would I do if it was the Holocaust right here? It was like it is happening here. This is the beginning and this is what happened. So where will you take a stand and will you be afraid to um, for the repercussions, knowing the repercussions are far greater for our Jewish brothers right around us? So I, I just I'm not it's not on my watch. Not this time. <laughs> so. And we brought this up before, but uh, the, there's a, a German pastor. Uh, his name is Job Spittner, and he he takes the the German death march and he 
has started something called the Marches of Life. Uh, and he does that with a friend of ours, Ted Pierce. And he, he just says that the sins of our fathers were that we remain quiet when we should have said something. Um, we've talked about this, that Eric Metaxas in his book, Letter to the American Church, mm-hmm. uh, says, you know, as, as the, the cable cars, as the train cars are driving by the churches uh, in Germany, uh, you know, the pastors are saying, sing louder, sing louder, so we don't hear the sounds of the trains going by. Um, and so we, we cling to the book of Isaiah. It says, for Zion's sake, I will not keep silent and, uh, you know, give, give the Lord no rest until he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth again. And so what we, what we love is uh, to be able to see people who are putting that into action. Um, and you're part of the minority. Um, we're part of the minority, but you're part of the minority. We don't have a choice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, but I, I imagine that there is I have you just always been somebody who's like, this is who I am and I don't care. Or is, is there a little bit of what we would call some chutzpah, um, some, you know, just to put yourself out there. <laughs> I, think, I think we're yeah. seeing a little of that. Yeah. yeah. I think she's got some chutzpah there. Um, well, and, and ju- I, I find this especially funny. I came out of a pagan household and nobody apologized. In fact, when I first got married, my apology to my husband would go something like, I'm sorry, you feel like that. Which yeah, is not right. an apology. It's it's demeaning. Yeah. So it's I taken that me in a marriage lo- counseling. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it works. Uh, so it's it's very funny to me that the Lord would say, at this little girl who was in such a pagan cultic household, full of all kinds of mm-hmm. wicked things, that the Lord would say, and I'm going to pull you out, and I'm going to use your voice, your research mode, your all the work your grandma did, and put these all together, and then be the voice that stands in the gap and says what my family did was wrong. And I, and it stops here. And not only that, but I hope to bring healing to people who have never heard the apology and never heard somebody say it was atrocious what my family did. And for all those other people that are out there that can stand in the gap on this issue, take a stand, step up, do what you need to. And it can be private conversations just to let people know, my family was part of that. And I'm so sorry. Even if your family wasn't part of that, stand in the gap and just say, it was wrong what happened or it's wrong what is happening. And I stand with you. Yeah. Well, a lot of people are going to hear it now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Amen. Um, what do you, what do you think? Um, it's interesting because there, there's almost a shame about evil and atrocity from 80 years ago, um, even the fact that you're part of a family that didn't want to talk about it. And we fast forward now to October 7th and the terror that comes into uh, Israel at this point, they're, they're wearing body cameras and they're taking the phones of the people that they are massacring and they are going live with, they're like literally live streaming on social media, the deaths. They would call the people who are the family members and say, look, I'm, I'm killing this person. And it, it seems that there used to be, um, I, I used to even say this when I was doing more youth ministry and talking to parents about what their kids are watching and all that kind of fun stuff. But um, it used to be like in the 1960s, if you wanted to get an adult magazine, you had to go to the seedy part of town and it was very shady, right? And, you know, we, we don't want anybody to know about this. And now um, there is no shame in sin and we are living in such a different time. Who would have known that the world could have changed 
um, so quickly. Um, but now, now it's, it's not just, it's not this, I have this hatred and I'm going to hide it and I'm going to do all of this secretly. Um, really what, what Satan has put on the hearts of those who want to kill the people of God is that we're going to display this and throw gasoline on the fire so that it could spread even more. Um, do you yes. see that, um, even just taking place and it, even the anti-Semitism that is rampant on all of our campuses, our American campuses and colleges. Right. Um, right. Why, why don't we have shame about sin anymore and this evil? I, well, I, I, I think the young people are thinking that this is an injustice for the Palestinians and therefore it's appropriate to respond this way, which is not, would not be appropriate in any other setting against any other people. So you can't talk about colonization, you know, because they don't want to think about Arabs colonizing other places. You can't talk about the atrocities, the mistrust that's been built up, the history. Nothing is 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 reasonable to discuss and enter into this. It seems like it's only motivated by it's not uh, somehow it's not right, and they're believing this whole set of lies that come out of. Unfortunately, the Palestinians that um, want to conquer the entire land and and do away with all the Jews. So that's what I see. Even even with young people I know that I've talked with about this, it seems like, well, Israel kind of deserved it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And they don't want to talk about the history. So they're very much not looking at the longevity, all of the issues that are involved, let alone talk about the Bible and what the Bible has to say about the land. So I, I think it's ignorance. I think it's a sense of justice, this sense of we got to stand in the gap for these poor people that are doing horrific things. And it doesn't make any sense. Um, it does feel very demonically charged. Yeah. Well, and looking at it from the perspective of, uh, of the Bible itself, like you just uh, brought up, you know, we can look at it in two ways from a human perspective and geez, this is horrible and it's terrible. But, you know, how, how do you see the battle that's taking place that's beyond the physical human battle? Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I, and I can tell you, as, as horrible as October 7th was, I am glad that the bigger battle didn't come out. There was a much bigger plan uh, where more countries and terrorist groups are going to come out. So. I'm, I'm thankful that got exposed when the terrorists were found and the plans were taken out of their pockets. Um, at the same time, we, we have to know that we're getting closer to the end times where it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even have to be rational at all. The hatred is just embraced by the world um, in a, in a mania, maniacal way where it doesn't, it, there's no sense about it. So I, I don't know exactly where our places will be, except to just stand in the gap where I have. I don't have to fix the whole thing in the world. I can just do my part in Portland and Vancouver. Yeah. We, um, I think it's pretty easy for the Jewish community to feel like we're alone. We got to celebrate Hanukkah um, just last week, and we found a couple of other Jews here in central Kentucky um, Both and, of them. <laughs> yeah, and it, they weren't even related to us. It was unbelievable. Um, but one of them uh, has, a, has a ministry uh, that's doing work in Israel, and uh, the other one is from Israel. And, uh, and, so, and they're just here studying for the next couple of years. But it was so good to be 
Oh. I thought I turned that off. No. I did. Yeah, that's all right. Um, <laughs> it was so good to be with our friends um, who, and, and it was, we were, let me, let me start this over and we'll just uh, edit that over again. Um, and I'm trying to remember how I started this. Hanukkah with the two friends. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, Okay. So, Noah, um, we'll cut to this point here. Uh, I'm curious for you. Um, it's very easy for us uh, as Jews, and especially Jews living here in central Kentucky population, uh, Jewish population here probably. Uh, 3,500. 3,500. Um, and we, we pretty much, you know, doubled that when we brought our family here. But um, we got to celebrate Hanukkah uh, just last week. And uh, uniquely at our home, we, we found two other messianic Jewish families. And it was, it was amazing uh, because we just got to pick up uh, and we're, we're not um, that we're in the beginning of our friendship and relationship with them. But what we got to do was it was, it was just an immediate uh, bond and uh, an acknowledgement that like, uh, this is mishpacha, this is family. Um, and there's a, there's a, a uniqueness here of we, we get it. Um, I'm curious for you though, as a Christian, uh, are you finding that community with your church, with bodies of believers, with other people who are around, um, or are you feeling, even just with how you feel about everything that's going on, the Jewish people, do you feel isolated uh, in this season? We do have some other Messianic believers that we do a home church with. So that's, and then a, a network bigger than that, that we are connected to for holidays. Um, so that's nice. Uh, and then there's some, there are some Messianic uh, congregations in the area. We did Yom Teruah went and it was loud and fun. And, um, uh, but overall it is, it is a lonely place um, to not have people who seem to get it. Um, like it, Recently, I was talking to a pastor, and he basically said, Israel and the Jews don't matter today. And I, mm. inside, was like apoplectic. I was just like, what are you talking about? How can you dismiss all the, all the, all of the promises? Um, and what's the miracles that are even happening today? Um, he needs and, another job. <laughs> oh, well, we, we left that church because I was like, I'm not standing in a church that does this. I'm not playing, I'm not playing church and acting like the Jews don't matter. It's crazy talk. Um, so it is, I mean, I, I think, uh, here at my job, I'm, I work with a bunch of other Christians, but I'm kind of the crazy Israeli lady. Um, so I've got my menorah, I had my menorah up here at work and my star of David, and I've got a picture of the kids that were kidnapped, you know, so, um, probably a little out there. They, I don't know if they all understand that. Um, and I'm just You're holding that lady. I am that lady. Um, yeah. But God is blessing me in my, in my work too. So I, I don't think they can just say, let's get rid of her. So I just am like, Lord, I'm going to hold space. I'm just going to stand and hold space among all these people who mm. are really smart, got a lot of letters behind their name, and somehow have still missed that Israel matters today, that Jesus is still a Jewish rabbi, that he's coming back to Israel. So we should be paying attention to that. Well, amen. Love that. And uh, couldn't have said it better ourselves. Um, we just want to say thank you. Um, yes. Thank you for not only supporting the Jewish road, uh, for reaching out to us, for loving the Jewish people, um, but you are living out what, what God has called us to live out is is to to love not just the Jewish people, but to, to love the Jewish people uh, mm -hmm. and to have that love extend uh, to the, the four corners of the earth. And so um, 
people like you bless us when we look at what's going on in the world. We look and say, will there be anybody who stands with us? Will there be anybody who stands with Israel? And it's good to know that God will always hold out a remnant and that there are people who are faithful to follow and will we'll go wherever he says and we'll do whatever he says and that, that you even have a heart of reconciliation. And that's really, we are trying to reconcile Jews and Gentiles. We're trying to reconcile all of these disparate parts of, of the world that, that don't naturally come together. And, and you are a big piece to that. And so mm. we just want to say thank you. And thank you for coming on here. Yeah. 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 You bet. You yeah. bet. That, that, that one thing that you do that you uh, shared uh, in speaking to that woman uh, speaks volumes uh, more so than an hour-long study could do. Right. Right. Yeah. right. Well, and if I could just mention one more thing, um, I, I wanted to also just extend that apology to other people. I, their family may not have been in Serbia. They may have always lived in the U.S., um, but the wound is still the same, and that is that there were people in their communities who turned on them, who robbed them, who took their belongings, who hurt their kids, who uh, publicly humiliated them and did violence. And it it's not right. And it there are consequences to it. And I will attest that in my own family, there was horrific consequences there in, in the concentration camps that they had to be in. And spiritually ongoing, if you, if you, um, I just want to extend that there's uh, healing in that place uh, where the Lord wants to let you know that people like me are saying it is wrong what happened to you and your family. And we are so sorry for the trauma that has been carried out for generations within your families. You've had to try to live with all that. So I, I just am so sorry for all those listeners out there who have experienced that. And anyone who has a story like mine, I encourage you to go and to share it with other people so that you can stand in the gap too. Well, you're part of our tribe now. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Whether you like it or not. I once, love it. You, once, once you're in, there's no getting out. So, Yay. Uh, <laughs> I'm so glad. Jane Carter, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being here on the Jewish Road Podcast. You are loved, and uh, we say we say this every single time, and uh, we mean it every single time. Sha'alu Shalom, Rushalayim. Great for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper their love. Shalom. Shalom. Shalom.